If you will, turn with me today to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Uh, Today I entitled the message, A Visit from Jesus. Man, wouldn't it be good to have a visit from Jesus this morning? As we come and we come to worship Him and, and to praise Him, I just pray that He comes to visit this morning. And, and these people in this chapter, chapter 7, they said that God came to visit. And I, I just think of that and I think, man, in this service, if, if we could walk out of these doors and say, God showed up today, just that one statement, what a blessing that would be. What a blessing it would be to walk into the restaurant or into our families, maybe our families that don't go to church with us, and sit down at the dinner table this afternoon and say, man, God showed up today. Man, what an awesome privilege that would be. And I, I just we're going to pray here in a moment after we read the text. And I just want us to beg in that moment that Jesus would show up today. I wish He would show up in such a marvelous way that it's so evident that no one could deny. Like the day that Jesus visit, visited the city of Nain. If you will, stand with me as we read. Verse 11, it says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead set up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us, and, the, and that God hath visited his people. And the rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for this day. Thank You for allowing us to be here to read Your Scripture. Dear Lord, help me as I explain away Your Scripture this morning that I would say that I would stick so close to the text that people know that it's Your Word, Lord. That I'd stick so close to the text that it would be You speaking and not me. Dear Lord, we just pray for for a visit from You this morning. Dear Lord, just work among us. Dear Lord, just be here with us. Guide us in Your Scripture. In Your name I pray. Amen. As I began to read this passage, something popped out of the pages at me. And I noticed this word named Nain in verse 11. The city called Nain. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't know much about this city, so I began to study that. And one of the things that came out as I began to study that is the meaning of the word Nain. It was it was a Greek word and it meant, uh, one writer says green pastures, another one says pleasant, lovely, or beautiful. And I thought to myself, in that instance, I, I said, I bet that was a beautiful place. Maybe a peaceful atmosphere. But on this day and at this time, it was in direct irony to this woman. 
There was nothing beautiful about this setting. Her only son was being carried out of the city to be buried. She was a widow. She had no male to provide for her. And and yet, in today's society, this would be tragic. But oh, in that society, how much the more? She had no male to stand up for her, to be her uh, provider. And, And in this context, her only son, it meant that there was no line to the family name. It meant that there was nobody to provide for her economically. She had no rights. She was hopeless. But on that road out to the grave, she met a man who brought hope. She met a man who brought more hope than she could have ever imagined. And it wasn't just the hope of rising her son. She found the hope of life in Jesus Christ. And I'm so proud today that we can meet that same hope. The world tries to tell us that this place is beautiful. It has all the commodities we'll need. It's a peaceful thing to have what you've worked for. But listen, there is no greater peace or hope or beauty or love greater than my Lord and Jesus. And that's the man she met on the road to bury her son that day. I think about this. That day, her only son met God's only begotten Son. You think about that, I mean, you begin to compare the two. This only Son comes out, and there's a procession there of people grieving, while there's also a procession following another Son, Jesus, as He comes into the city. And they're shouting, they're glorifying Jesus because of all the things that He's done and all the things that they've seen. And here they come into the city and just this dark and gloomy moment meets this happy, joyful moment. And Jesus changes the whole thing. And you know, I think about the many Scriptures in the Bible that relate to this. And I think about how often our doom and gloom and Hopelessness can be turned around by Jesus. People may have thought Nain was a beautiful, lovely, peaceful place. But when Jesus showed up, it was for sure. You know, this place here, we can come and we can think about all the memories that we've had in this building. And we can think about all the lovely and beautiful things that have happened here. But I'm telling you, unless Jesus shows up, It's not any of that. It's just a building. Unless Jesus shows up. Then I skip down to verse 13. Look at this. Chapter 7, verse 13. He says, And when the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. The motivation here was compassion. Jesus had compassion. Jesus walks into this town uh, called Nain, and as He met the funeral procession, He could not turn a blind eye to the despair. The hopelessness of this widow deemed some attention from Jesus that day. Compassion for a hopeless people is the whole reason Jesus is here today. That's the whole reason He came to this earth. Luke 19 Luke 19, if you'll turn with me over there. Luke 19 and verse 10. 
Jesus says this when He meets up with Zacchaeus. He says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He looked down on us. He saw hopelessness. He saw despair. And He said, I come to save those people. Compassion is why He was here on this earth. Why did Jesus come to this earth? It's pretty simple. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should be saved. Amen. Jesus, the reason that He came here was compassion. And compassion is the same reason that He still saves souls today. If you look at 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men can... Count slackness, but is long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus has compassion for the lost sinner in this crowd today. He has compassion for the lost sinner in the world today, and he's not willing that any should perish. He came to save those that were lost, those that were in hopelessness, those with despair. Jesus came. To set that right. He had so great a compassion on us. And, and even if we are saved and we go through our day-to-day walk and we, we meet up with despair and gloom, I love what the writer of Hebrews says. He talks about my Jesus in this way. In Hebrews chapter 4, Verse 15 and 16, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You see, Jesus has so much compassion for us that He's not just going to save us and throw us to the wolves. He knows every infirmity that we go through. He can feel it just like we can feel it. You know, on another occasion when Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave, a famous Scripture comes out of there, the shortest Scripture in the whole Bible. Uh, John 11.35 says, Jesus wept. Jesus knows what it feels like to hurt like I hurt. And the reason for that is He felt everything a human could feel so that He could relate to me in the midst of my pain and my struggle. And with compassion, He could reach out and I could approach the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace. What a beautiful, beautiful thing here. The motivation behind Jesus here, just like throughout the Bible, was His compassion. And it was His compassion that took Him all the way to the cross. His compassion for me. Compassion like Jesus should be my goal. We see lost and hurting people every day. The world has overcome their lives, their families, And they are in the midst of hopelessness. And guess what? Jesus is still the answer. 
He's still the answer for that lost person in despair that's grieving over the life that the world has given them. Guess what? Jesus is still their hope. We simply need to have a little compassion to share that hope with them. Let compassion drive our lives like it drove Jesus. But I also want to see the order here. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Luke 7, verse 14. And He came and touched the buyer. And they that bear Him stood still. And He said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead set up and began to speak. And He delivered him to his mother. There's two things that happen when Jesus raises somebody from the dead. He speaks directly to them. And then the individual responds. Simple pattern, right? You see, there's three instances in the New Testament where Jesus raised someone from the dead. Number one, Jairus' daughter. Number two, Lazarus. Lazarus. And number three, right here. Not in that order. Here it says, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. At Jairus' daughter... The Scripture says in Luke 8, verse 54. And He put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And then at Lazarus' tomb, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Each time Jesus spoke directly to the individual. One author said if He didn't, if He would have said arise or come forth without speaking directly to the individual, the graveyard would have been empty. (laughs) Because that's the power of my Jesus. Jesus speaks to us individually. He deals with my heart differently than He deals with yours. He leads us in paths of unity together as a church but works on us individually. Jesus dealt with me individually the day I was saved. He wasn't drawing everyone, but He was drawing me. The individual has to respond to that drawing or that calling of Jesus. When Jesus spoke to the individual, He commanded them to do something. In two instances he says, arise, and another he says, come forth, but each deemed a response to Jesus. When Jesus calls us, he deems a response whether we're going to accept him or deny him. The same pattern seen elsewhere in scripture, uh, Jesus speaks to us, Jesus' word, uh, leads to salvation. In Romans 10, 17, I think you can see that pretty plainly. Romans 10 and verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When God's Word is spoken, that's what leads to faith. In Acts, we see the example of this. Acts chapter 8 and verse 31 You may remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. 
When Philip got there, he was reading the Bible. He was reading God's Word. And Philip asked him, do you understand what you read? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The reason we're here today, so I can guide you. God. So that I can tell you a little bit about my Jesus. So that I can explain away His Scriptures so that you have an opportunity to respond. So that I have an opportunity to respond. You see, responding to this doesn't just mean salvation. I think every one of us as as church members, as Christians, we have a responsibility to Jesus to respond to His message. What are we going to glean from it? What are we going to take away? How are we going to apply it to our lives? We have an opportunity today to respond to the message of Jesus. Let me tell you somewhere else in the Scripture where this pattern is seen. And there's more hope in this than than anything on this earth. In 1 Thessalonians, 4, verse 16 and 17. There's going to be another day when Jesus speaks out. And it says in verse 16, For the Lord Himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to speak again. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we that are in Christ are going to go meet Him in the clouds. (laughs) We see this pattern throughout Scripture. We have an opportunity to respond today. But I want to focus on the end of this passage in verse 16 and 17. There's a result to this. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited His people. And this rumor of Him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Rumors started. You know, I got to thinking about that. I would love for some rumors to start. And I don't mean just fibbing on somebody or telling something that's not true. I'd love for people to walk out and say, Man, God visited Promised Land today. Man, have you heard about what's going on out there at Promised Land? Have you heard about the message that Brother Trey preached last week? Have you heard about the message that Brother Josh preached last week? Listen, there needs to be some rumors started. There needs to be some people in the world telling about what God is doing. And that's what these people did. They went out and it says that fear came upon on all and they began to glorify God. Saying that this great prophet is risen up among us. There is one greater than I and He has come to this earth and He's given of Himself for me and the world needs to know about it. 
So when, when we hear about this, when we see a visit from Jesus, when we see it's so evident that God's working, why do we shut our mouths? We need to start telling people what God's doing. And sometimes He's working, we just don't recognize. It was so evident that day. When they began to walk out of that city, the boy was laying there on, on what most scholars say just a piece of board, an open casket to where maybe a sheet draped over it. They were going to bury him. And here comes this man raising to life. So evident that day. But God's working each and every day. He's working in our lives. He, he knows what's going on. Even when we can't see Him, we need to praise Him for it because He's working in our lives. Even if we don't recognize it, we need to give Him glory for it. But notice here, it didn't just go out through the city and then kind of die down after a few weeks. What does the Scripture say? And the rumor of Him went forth throughout all Judea. This was the kind of news that did not just contain itself in one place. The news began to carry around. At some time, we need to get the message of Jesus outside of these four walls into the world that we live in. His grace is good. Not just for us to take hold of and hold it there but to take hold of and share it with the world. I think about our church family and I think about all the places we go. I think we could, you know, just by a show of hands, uh, see people in this room that go to Monroe probably once a week. People that go to Little Rock. People that go to Malvern. People that go all around the state on a weekly basis. And how far has the news traveled? How far has the news of what Jesus has done, not just promised land, but what Jesus has done, got? We have an opportunity right now in the world that we live in to get the news out further than we ever have before. But do we utilize that? Let me tell you what. I remember the week, month, after I was saved, you couldn't shut me up. I talked a lot anyway. <laughs> but you couldn't shut me up because I was so excited about it. But you know what? At the point of salvation wasn't the only time that Jesus worked on me. And He should be working on me daily. And I need to share that with people. I need to tell people what God's doing in my life. I need to tell people what God's doing in my church family. I need to tell people about their only hope. That woman, as she walked out of that city, I can only imagine her mind racing on, what do I do now? I've lost everything. There is no hope. What do I do? And Jesus showed up. She had a reason to talk then. She had a reason to go forth, tell people. He made the difference. And if you're here today and you say, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of hopeless. I'm in that shape. I don't have a purpose in my life. Come meet Jesus today. 
Come meet Him today because let me tell you, He's here to give you a purpose, to give you a hope, to give you the message that the world needs to hear. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation, maybe you can relate to that widow today. Maybe you can see yourself in her position. Maybe you haven't lost a loved one. But maybe you feel like your world's crumbling. Guess what? There's hope. There's hope in Jesus. As I sat down the other day, Miss Jackie was there and Miss Gwen was there and we were talking with Miss Frances. And, and she was in a lot of pain. She was going to the nursing home and didn't really understand why. She looked at me and she said, somebody needs to hear about the Lord. <laughs> There's some hope in that. There's some hope in knowing Jesus that somebody... Needs to hear about the Lord. And I might be that somebody. As we get ready to sing, how will you respond to Jesus? Number 377.